0: This is the Morning Sports Desk for Friday, September 1st. All right, so there was a busy day across the high school sports region doing a whole bunch of high school volleyball. There was a lot of high school football going on yesterday and kind of that big opening day. I really love it uh, when the first week is kind of everything's just a little bit off than normal because it kind of plays to the importance of it a little bit like the Gophers uh, playing their first game of the season on a Thursday night. It's kind of like, you know, it's a big deal. Let's do it a little bit off schedule. We're not quite ready to get into that every Friday night groove that there, or every week groove, I suppose, where it's volleyball, Tuesday, Wednesday, football on Friday, and cross country and tennis mixed in there as well throughout the week. But, you know, giving things, uh, kind of breaking up the monotony of it before the monotony even begins, weirdly enough. Uh, but it was, a uh, fun. There was a lot of scores across, uh, a lot of games, I should say, a lot of scoring across central Minnesota yesterday in football and volleyball. And, uh, yeah, we are into it. And we had a game last night on our broadcast schedule. It was the Wadena Deer Creek Wolverines and the Purim Yellow Jackets. Wadena Deer Creek came into the game 0-1 after a loss to Pequot Lakes. Purum came into the matchup 1-0 after a win on Tuesday night against Thief River Falls. And you know, talking with both head coaches before this game, uh, they uh, they said... You know, these are two uh, two teams that know each other a lot, and teams that know that they're likely, or at least you know, potentially, could meet each other in the postseason in a month and a half from now. So it's the crazy part of it is, is it's game number two, and it's already like, well, you got to you know, it's a team that you've seen a lot of. Coach Volkman talking about moving back into eight double A, saying you know we're comfortable here. We've played a lot of the teams we know. Uh, we know everybody, and you know you saw a, a thing. Yesterday, where both of them got to play each other. Now, they were on the schedule when Wadena Deer Creek was in 6-AA, but you it just means a little bit more, making it that section game, a little bit important standings-wise and and all that good stuff. It was a good environment at the Hive last night. Wadena Deer Creek won three sets to none. They won uh, set number 1, 25-22, set number 2, 25-15, and set number 3, 25 to 22. Wadena Deer Creek and Purim now both are 1 and 1 on the season for the uh, Wolverines leading them uh, in kills was, uh, I believe a three-way tie between Peyton Gravel as well as Lola Pulver. And I believe Jenna Dykoff and as well, Kennedy Ness in that mix as well for Wadena Deer Creek. Uh, Willow Teal was the leading killer in all of the uh, uh, players last night in the game for Purim. She had, I believe 11. She definitely was in double digits uh, last night. Uh, Tough-fought game, one of those where, you know, it could have gone either way. Uh, it's one, again, like Wadena Deer Creek's game on Tuesday night, it's a three-sets-to-none game, and you think, oh, they must have just took care of business. And in a way, they did. But it's also, you know, so sometimes a couple of those sets are close. Sometimes you got to work your way back a little bit late in a set. and And really, you know, if it's a three-sets-to-none loss, but every game finishes relatively close, or every set, I should say, finishes relatively close, you know, it's a closer game than people think. I guess maybe is the right way to phrase that. All right, we got high school football on the broadcast schedule tonight. Right here, KWAD. It is uh, baseball, actually. It's the Twins. They're playing tonight. Uh, But over on the Superstation, K106, 105.9 FM, WadenaRadio.com, and the Superstation K106 app. It's Wadena Deer Creek. They're going down south to Kirkhoven Murdoch Sundberg. The game will be played in Murdoch tonight. 6.40 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff on that one. Also over on 98.5 FM and AM 1430, The Fan, it's Staples Motley Football as they host the Frazee Hornets. That one has a 6.40 pregame, 7 o'clock kickoff. Tyler Grunwald joining us again this year. He'll be covering Staples Motley Football all season long on 98.5 and AM 1430, uh, The Fan. So be listening to that. As well. Uh, And it'll be interesting for the Wolverines. You know, talking a little bit with uh, Coach Peter Meyer before uh, the game, uh, kind of as we are getting ready and kind of uh, getting some things situated for the season. And, you know, he was uh, talking about, said, got a lot of senior leadership, 11 starters on offense are all seniors. So he said it's really unique situation and fun to have all those seniors and uh, uh, kind of playing. And they got a really tough task in Kirk Hovind, Murdoch, Sundberg, a uh, team that made the state tournament in 1A last year, uh, a team that... Uh, has a Wyoming commit. uh, commit, So a a kid for Kirkhoven Murdoch-Sunberg is going to play Division I football in Wyoming. They also have another uh, stud wide receiver, according to Coach Peter Meyer. So it's going to be a a game, uh, also a running back who's kind of a bowling ball. And so uh, really... It's going to be, a. I mean, it'll be a fun first week of the season for Wadena-Deer Creek. they got a tough task, and it's kind of, as Coach Petermeyer said, depending on how we come out of this one, you know, we could have a really good feeling uh, about the rest of the season as things kind of change a little bit more after that. But uh, but again, it should be a good game. The Fightin' Saints, I believe is what they're called, of Kirk Murdoch, Sunberg, and the Wadena-Deer Creek Wolverines uh, tonight. So... Uh, let's talk a little bit of state sports here as we try and close out the morning sports desk for a Friday. Uh, did you guys watch that Golden Gopher game last night? Holy cow. I did not watch much of it. I was listening through most of the second half on my way home from Purim last night from the volleyball game. Uh, and I was—I shut it off, I think, a couple different times. Like, I, they were going to lose. That just has all the makings of a classic Golden Gopher choke game, especially under the Fleck regime. Those choke games are ones where the offense just can't get anything going, and they could not run the ball to save their lives. Callie Icmanis had some great throws, had some bad throws, kind of a mixed bag for him. He threw the ball 44 times. And I was watching the post-game show for Big Ten, uh, on Big Ten Network, and they were like, you know, P.J. Fleck loves to run the ball. Why did they throw 44 times? And it gets to what I was saying yesterday, which is, you know, Calique Manis is not Tanner Morgan, and the offense ran the ball a whole bunch. Is it because P.J. Fleck likes to run the ball, or is it because you had Tanner Morgan at quarterback who was limited, and you had Muhammad Ibrahim at running back who was a workhorse? So, you know, it kind of played into the other. Now you have a quarterback who can sling it around a little bit, and uh, running backs who aren't quite as proven, you're more willing to throw the ball. Uh, what a catch by Daniel Jackson saves the game for the Gophers, uh, to get a game tying touchdown with two and a half minutes to go. Uh, I mean, thank goodness in college, you only need to have one foot down in the pros. That you know, would have been incomplete for a mile. But Jackson did a great job of getting his one foot down, which was his back foot. His front foot was leaning towards the turf. And I thought there was no way he was able to get his foot uh, up that was out of bounds before he could get his toe inbounds down. And it's crazy. It's It was a crazy catch. Go look it up online. Go look it up on YouTube. It's on Facebook somewhere. Uh, Really, really great catch. But the story of the game has to have been the Golden Gopher defense. Holding down the fort, Tyler Newbin uh, had a couple interceptions. Wally forced a fumble. The Gophers had, uh, you know, some, some other things go their way as well. Uh, uh, just really a uh, good Gopher win. A uh, game they definitely did not deserve to win. And, you know, you just hate to see Nebraska take a loss. Just kidding. I'd love to see Nebraska take a loss. Their fan base is so confident for a team that hasn't won anything in a decade now. So it's kind of hilarious in that aspect. All right, looking at the Minnesota Vikings, we'll stick with football here. The Vikings are making TJ Hawkinson the highest-paid tight end in NFL history. Hawkinson agreed to a four-year contract extension with the Gophers that will pay him $68.5 million. Uh, it includes 42 million, uh, rather million guaranteed and holds an average annual value of $17.125 million, both of which are the highest for a tight end in league history. Minnesota, of course, acquired Hawkinson from the Lions last year for a second-round pick. In 10 games last year, he had 60 catches for 519 yards and three touchdowns. So if you average that out yardage-wise, t- averaging per game six catches for about 52 yards, that's pretty darn good. TJ Hawkinson is—I mean, he's getting paid a lot of money, don't get me wrong— But also, T.J. Hawkinson is getting paid a lot for a tight end. In terms of wide receivers, he's not getting paid that much. And when you look at T.J. Hawkinson on this team, I know there's K.J. Osborne, I know there's Jordan Addison, but T.J. Hawkinson, as me and Corey point out all the time on the sports desk, he is their second wide receiver. He is their number two option. If Kirk Cousins has a play, the directions are, look for Jefferson, look at Jefferson again, throw it to Jefferson... If for whatever reason you don't feel like doing that, throw it to TJ Hawkinson. And that's pretty much what it was last year for the Vikings. TJ Hawkinson is a good, good player. He is not in the Travis Kelsey, George Kittle echelon, but he definitely is in the Darren Waller uh, kind of camp. TJ Hawkinson is in that second tier of like game changer, but not like Hall of Fame kind of level like Travis Kelsey or George Kittle is. But I mean, at the same time, Travis Kelsey might be considered better than Gronk, and Gronk is the best tight end of all time. So there's a there's a lot of kind of hierarchy here, but the point is TJ Hawkinson is a very good tight end. The Vikings now get that contract extension issue out of the way. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. There's Daniil Hunter, TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson. And the Vikings kind of did it in reverse priority of Jefferson's number one, Hawkinson's number two, and Hunter's number three. But Hunter, in terms of like, you know, kind of seeing what's right in front of you, you needed to take care of Daniel Hunter. The Vikings did that right away. They made sure he got his money and that they're all good for this year. The Vikings then took care of TJ Hawkinson because this was his final year in his contract. Jefferson still has this year and the next year, but... It's important to lock Justin Jefferson up immediately because he, if he has another good season, uh, he's going to cost even more next year. So it's kind of you pay, a, you're paying early and you're committing early and there's risk in that, but also there's risk in not doing it, which is that he could, uh, you know, uh, command even more money than Justin Jefferson somehow already is. Uh, so if you're the Vikings, Justin Jefferson is priority number one and there's still You know, nine days left, really, uh, to get a deal done. The Vikings and the NFL typically don't do extensions in the middle of the season. So once the Vikings get into week one, we're not going to hear any Jefferson extension talk until the spring, which could get pretty dicey. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. But again, TJ Hawkinson's a good tight end. No complaints here. Locked him up. It's a decent amount of money. But hey, if Kirk Cousins is off the books next year, the Vikings will have enough. All right, last thing, the Minnesota Twins have a three-game series over the weekend in Texas. They're taking on the Texas Rangers down in Arlington, and the Twins were scuffling a little bit, losing two in a row, especially to uh, Cleveland. But, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Uh, The biggest thing is that uh, the Twins did not get any of the waiver claims. You know, we talked a couple days ago about all these waiver claims the Twins could get. Bad news, the Twins didn't get any of them, so the Twins don't get any extra reinforcements. The worst news is that they all were claimed, because again, it goes in order of how bad your record is. It's like a draft order. So Cleveland Guardians got a higher priority than the Twins. The Twins got Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore, three of the guys I wanted to be on the Twins. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, Is it going to help Cleveland? No. The Twins still have a five-game division lead. Tampa, uh, The Guardians have to play Tampa Bay this weekend. The Guardians have a tough schedule the rest of the way through. They, again, they have to win. They have to go 19-9 and in these final 30-ish games. And the Twins really just have to go 500. And especially if the Twins have a good series next week against Cleveland, let's say they win two out of three uh, and the Twins bump the lead up to another game and the Guardians have no more head-to-heads. Yeah, give the division to the Twins. So uh, the Twins don't get any waiver claims. That stinks, but they're still winning the Central this year. There's just not that much time left. And if the Twins do collapse it, then, it's, then those waiver claims weren't helping. And if the Twins do collapse it, it says a lot more about the Twins than it would actually Cleveland. Um, so one last thing with the Twins. Louis Varland, he pitched only four innings in a start yesterday in St. Paul. The reason is for that. He's probably going to move to the bullpen as a long relief role and what we talked about in the morning sports desk a couple days ago, moving into that role where he can become more of a kind of second option as a starter, a piggybacker, if you will, once playoff time comes around. The rosters don't expand to like 40 like they used to, but the rosters will expand to 28 for the month of September, so we'll see who the Twins call up in those roster moves. This has been the Morning Sports Desk for Friday, September 1st.